Welcome to A Walk In My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. The show is to inspire you to walk in your greatness. We have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their stilettos. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what inspires me more is her backstory and mindset of how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Joan Wright Good. She's a wife, mother, minister, philanthropist, author, and the CEO of Business Startup and Marketing Solutions and Entrepreneur Academy. She's the founder of JWG Publishing and creative director of the Joan Wright Good Collection. Please welcome to the show, Joan. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you for agreeing to come on and to bless us with your testimony. I've had a opportunity to hear you speak at uh, your tour stop here in Toronto and your story blew me away. So it's an honor to have you on. (laughs) It's my pleasure. So I like to start the show with a bit of an icebreaker um, just to get Uh things started. And it's because I feel that as women, we have so many titles that we go by. And I believe that a title that we are called so many times a day that we don't give enough significance to is our name because, you know, they have a meaning. Right. So my first question to you, Joan, is do you know what your name means? Of course I do. As a matter of fact, I did talk about the meaning of my name in my second book, You Are Different for a Reason. And the the meaning of my name is God is gracious. Mm. It's that simple, simple. God is gracious. And so um, I'm particularly happy about the definition of that name because everything that I go through, good or bad, at the end of the day, it tells me that God is gracious. And because God is gracious, then grace is always extended to me. So every time somebody says my name, they're putting in the atmosphere that there goes that gracious child. And God is gracious. Yep. I love it. I love it. (laughs) See, and and that's just what I want to point out to some women, because some of the women come on and have no idea what their name means. So, you know, I look it up and I tell them. Yeah. And when I tell them, they're like, oh, my God, that totally describes me. And it's you know, you're <laughs> called that how many times a day? So what are you professing? Yes. What are we declaring? Right? Exactly. I love it. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> so my next question to you is, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? Okay. So obviously, I think you read my book because again, I touched <laughs> on that where when I was uh, a, a little girl, um, I remember my teacher asked me once, what do you want to be when you grow up? And just out of my mouth came the word an ambassador. And mm. um, I think I said an ambassador and then I said a diplomat. And I had no idea what those words meant. I, To me, I've always been, kind of, uh, you know, like a wordsmith I've always loved words and 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 the illustrations of words and so for me at the time it just felt very important you know I wanted to be an important person but I had no clue what I was saying so fast forward years later um you know I like to tell people that I am both uh an an ambassador and a diplomat because that's what I see myself as an ambassador of Christ 
and mm. a diplomat for a woman just leading the way so that other women can follow and other women can not just follow, but they themselves can become who they were really created to be. So can you share with us how your entrepreneur journey began? Of course. Okay. So, um, when I was in, well, let, let, I was going to say when I was in high school, but let me go all the way back. So um, I grew up in a home. I grew up in an orphanage. Um, I, at a young age, I was given away. Um, I think I was at four years old when I was picked up by the police and I was placed in a home. And then when my mom found me, she literally stole me and sent me to stay with my grand auntie. And so I grew up in the country with her. And so from an early age, I was around entrepreneurship. Now, my grand auntie, she owned a lot of land. So she was a farmer. So she, you know, she reared pigs and goats and cows and chickens and all, you know, those lovely animals. And then she had a pimento farm. She also had a cane farm. And um, I can't recall what the third one was. So as a farmer, she would... Um, sell her crops to the, the sugarcane factory and all these other larger corporations would buy from her. And so I was, was always in the field with her, you know, helping her to cure these, these crops and helping her with the animals. I did not know then that, you know, what was being cultivated was a spirit of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So when I was in high school, when my mom pretty much told me that I need to fence for myself, I started working at the age of 14, so I would do summer jobs at uh, different bookstores and um, would just spend for myself. I had to buy my own books and uniform and all that good stuff. So from an early age, entrepreneurship was developed in me and embedded in my mind. So at um, in my, my first marriage, I was married before, and in my first marriage, uh, my husband was a singer, and he needed to have a artist manager. And at the time, I had no clue what that was, but I was already good in the area of managing and marketing. And so I decided to start a company, an artist management company. And so he was the main artist, but before I knew it, I was managing upwards of 10 different artists. And wow. these were, yeah. These were well-known, like literally I took them from zero to popularly known, award-winning, money-making artists. And that was where everything came full throttle when I realized that I'm not made out to um, build somebody else's kingdom. I'm really called to use what God has given me to create my own wealth. And the rest is history. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so if you want me to fast forward to 2012, when I started business startup and marketing, I had gone through a very horrible divorce, very, very public divorce. Um, remember I mentioned he was a singer, so he's well mm-hmm. known and, um, you know, life came crashing in and I didn't get a lot of money as part of my set- settlement. So I, you know, I didn't have much money. And in 2012, I was in my living room. I had remarried and was looking for jobs. By now I had my, my bachelor's degree, I had a master's degree, and I had a law degree, and I just could not get a job. And I remember how God had allowed me to start that first business. And it's like one day he said to me, why are you trying to build other people's kingdom when I've given you all these gifts? Mm -hmm. And I used the only money I had at the time, which was $125 
registered my business, sat in my living room, did a SWOT analysis and a business plan. And in one week, I had my first client. And thereafter, word of mouth got around. And um, here we are today with a million dollar business and several other streams of income. Wow. I love it. Love it. Yeah. So we first connected in person um, on your tour stop. You came to Toronto. Mm-hmm. So you have a tour called Global Tour. How did that yes. come about? <laughs> Again, as with everything that I do, it's usually just uh, inspiration by the Holy Spirit and just by needs, different needs that I see in the community that I would just pretty much say to myself, okay, if there's a need out there, then I have a solution for the need. And so Good Life really was supposed to be a one-time conference. And then I started having people asking me all these questions. Hey, can you bring it to my city? Because there's a group of entrepreneurs that really need this information. Can you do this? Can you do that? And so, you know, from my from my office, one day I was sitting, putting this this marketing plan together. And a friend of mine, Mark Oldell, he was a former client um, of mine. Uh, he said to me, you know, you and your husband have such a awesome story. I think you guys need to put this into the tour and call it the Good Life Tour. Good, um, because our name is Good. That's that's mm-hmm. our surname, and because the objective of the tour is to really ensure that at the end of the day, people leave there being in good spirits, in good minds, and have good pockets. And so that was how we even added the relationship aspect of the tour. But that's how it came about, just responding to the need of the community. And we decided to take it global as as opposed to just keeping the good news to ourselves. I mean, you know, oftentimes we hear, you know, in order to be successful in in business and, and what you're doing as an entrepreneur, you need to be able to find a solution to a need. And you know, yes. there was that need out there for you guys to add that to the tour. I love it. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so you uh, have written four books, correct? Yes. Okay. So let, let's get into that. What inspired you to write your books? Okay. Um, so they all have different inspirations. Um, my first book was inspired by the loss of my then marriage and um, just really sitting back and evaluating my life. Um, I think what happens sometimes when we have losses is that we don't mourn um, the right way. Mm -hmm. We don't take the time to mourn. And when we mourn, we don't mourn the right way. Uh, The second thing we do is that sometimes we start pointing fingers. And so it's always, you know, something that somebody else did. But I had to take the time to really assess myself to see why I was always finding myself in broken situation with broken people and why things were just being broken around me. And when I really realized that I was a part of the problem, that's when I decided to write the book. So I wrote the book about how everything came crumbling down, but I also allowed people to take a look in the mind of somebody who is broken and how when we are broken and not healed, how we attract different things to ourselves mm-hmm. that are broken that we're not even aware of. And so this is yes. why sometimes you can't move towards your future because you haven't really assessed the past to see what happened in the past that will affect the future. So mm-hmm. that was how the first book came about. In one weekend, I sat down and I wrote that book and 
I, I got so much healing from that, just writing in that one weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. The second book came about after I realized all it took to be healed and where I was in my life. Um, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit more about the business aspect and the mindset that we need to have to win. And, and so that book, when I realized that I, uh, I had been healed of, uh, from being broken, I realized that all this time I was different from everybody else. And my difference was not supposed to be something that I should be ashamed of. It was something that I needed to celebrate because God has made all of us different. And sometimes the problem is that we're all trying to be the same Mm -hmm. when the difference is where your wealth lies. And so I wanted to tell people that you're different. You're different for a reason. And that's what you need to maximize and monetize. So that's the second book. You're different for a reason. Maximize your difference. The third book is really a business book. It's all about business. Um, It's called What If We Decided to Grow? And it has about six or eight principles to teach you how you can grow personally so that you can grow in business. Because a lot of times we don't grow in business because we have not grown and matured in the personal areas that we need to grow in. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth book is really, yeah, it's really a religious book. It, it talks about if you gave God your heart, why are you still holding on to the devil's hand? So, oh, you wow. know, it, <laughs> yeah, it really, <laughs> it really teaches us about full submission, full submission, because, you know, I often say to people, you can't just look at the gym and expect to lose weight. Right. You have to do something, you know, yep. um, just as, uh, as well as you can't just, you can't go, you can't join the army. You can't just say you like the army and then become a soldier. You have to mm-hmm. do something. You have to adhere to their rules. And so it is when we become Christians, you know, we really have to let go off of some of the things that are holding us back so that we can see full results in every area of our lives. It's it's a sacrifice. People don't realize, yes. you know, you, you do have to let go of things. People expect oh, to have changed, but they're not willing to put in the work <laughs> or to make any sacrifices. Exactly. 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 So, so how did you know it was time for you to answer your call into ministry? Um, very, that's a good question. That's a good question because I did not know it was time. And for me, it wasn't as much as um, answering a call, as like the call falling into my hands, if that makes sense. Um, So this is how I actually started out in ministry. When I wrote my first book and started sharing my testimony, at first, you know, when you do anything for the first time, you're going to deal with fear, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So for me, it was a, it was the first time that a celebrity type, quote unquote celebrity, was going through a divorce um, of that magnitude. It was the first time that a gospel Christian couple was going to be um, divorced. It was the first time in our church that you would have something like that. So it was the first of many for us. And so there was a lot of fear that went into that. Um, Also for the fact that people took sides because he was a celebrity. I was not, I was Mm -hmm. seen as, um, I was seen as the woman who, a woman scorned. I was seen as the woman, um, you know, who stayed in the marriage because she, she, she wanted the money and the power. I was seen as the woman who was lying because if he was always abusing you, why did you stay that long? You know, the different things Mm -hmm. that, that people will say, um, so there was a lot of fear. So 
when I decided to do my book, I was going against the grid. I was I was doing things that were polar opposite of what a woman should do during that time. But I had such a confidence, the Holy Spirit had given me such a confidence that you would be all right. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to be okay. And so when I stepped out, I started getting a lot of calls to come speak here and speak there. And I'm like, whoa, wait up. Like, how is this happening? And I remember mm-hmm. the very first time that I was called by a first lady to speak, um, I thought that no one would be late because now in my book, you know, I'm talking about the fact that, um, you know, we we were inviting other people into the, in the bedroom. We were doing all these things that we shouldn't be doing. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, the abuse was horrible, just everything. So I'm thinking no one could relate. But I was invited to a retreat and there were hundreds of women there and a lot of them were first ladies. And can I tell you that they all could relate to the story? Because, because of, yes, they don't want, want to talk about it openly. Thank you. Thank you. So it was like a safe place because one of the things we do in the church is that we hide behind the whole mask of being a Christian. So mm-hmm. we're not true to ourselves. We, we don't practice transparency. And if somebody um, does that, then it's like the mob, you know, how dare you talk about what happened behind closed doors kind of a thing. So that when, when I spoke that weekend, I thought I was just going to speak to a couple of women. It was a room full of women who needed healing. It was mm-hmm. a room full of women who needed a hero. And for me to step forth and to tell my story, it was a while for them that somebody would be so bold to tell their stories. And this is why we can't hide mm-hmm. what we have gone through. We can't hide our humble beginnings because when we believe that it's all about us and we forget that God delivers us so that we can be like the proverbial Moses to go deliver others, that's where we miss it. And so mm-hmm. that was how ministry fell in my lap because that weekend, that woman gave me the biggest check I had ever seen at that time. I was like, <laughs> people get paid for speaking (laughs) (laughs) and then my books were sold out and everything and so she referred me to somebody else and then somebody else refers to the referral actually you know that's how we got started and that's when I realized wow there is power in my story but not just so much power (laughs) thank god you know but there's also so much power in the whole aftermath because I was able my I you know there are layers to my story as you know Mm -hmm. but I think one of the most potent part of it was that I could stand and tell people that I forgave my ex-husband to the point where we're like best friends which is Mm -hmm. really weird to people um you know he comes when he travels he stays at our house um you know he could publicly say that I did this woman wrong um all these things but I had to get to the place where I did not have any hate in my heart. I I, I got mm-hmm. to the place where I saw him as broken as I was. And that was how I was able to forgive him. So that's how ministry the fell Healing and life. restoration. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So that's, that's how I really um, started out in ministry and then have been ordained since. And now um, I work closely with the youth. I'm over the entire youth department at my church and I speak at several different women's conferences, whether it's business or ministry, you know, because I'm, I'm gifted in the two areas in business and in, in, in restoration. So I speak at a lot of women's ministries as, as well. 
Love it. Love it. So speaking of restoration, you know, how important is it to have the right helpmate on your journey? You know, because oftentimes there are women out here that are blocking their own blessings because they're holding on to relationships that are not what is for them. And, you know, when you let go of a toxic relationship and you move into something that's more healthy, you know, you're mm-hmm. able to thrive. Like, look at you now. So how how important is that to have, you know, the right helpmate on your journey? It's extremely, extremely important. Um We've seen it in several scriptures. We've seen it in in just natural people's experience, where you 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 know, in order for an airplane to even take you anywhere, it has to take off from the ground. But mm-hmm. in taking off, there's so many things that happen. You know, it 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 exudes the bad gas, so it can release the right type of gas to keep it in the air. Um, you know, we know the story of the of the eagle. There there's so many different things. Um, we know the story of Job and his wife where she could not understand Job's journey. So instead of speaking life into him, she told him, why not just curse God and die? Because she could not understand what God was doing. It's very important to have the right mate, Mm -hmm. not just to cheer you on, um, but to, 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 to be in the field with you, to get dirty with you, Mm -hmm. to pray with you, pray over you, to speak life into you uh to to help you birth to be in that birthing room with you and 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 to still have a sense of manhood with him Mm -hmm. because when you have two two powerful people together it's easy for jealousy to get in Mm -hmm. let's 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 be real it's easy for for um you know a a level of, of discomfort to come in but when you have the right mate um, it's like the Holy Spirit, you know, God, Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'll leave you a helper. Mm-hmm. I'll leave you a paraclete that will walk with you, that will direct you in all things. Um, and, and that is an example of, of Eve to Adam. Um, Adam asked, when, when God gave Adam a helper, he said, I was, I'm giving you a suitable mate, not just a mate. She had to be suitable. You know, Mm -hmm. she had to be able, you know, when Adam was calling things into the atmosphere to not question why he's calling, you know, something, something. She she had to to be in alignment with him. So that's the importance of having the right mate, someone who will not question your God-given assignment, someone who will be there even if they don't understand to pray with you, someone who will actually finish your sentences you know you need that because if you don't have that then you're going to have chaos you're going to start questioning yourself did i really hear you know did i really um because that's how the enemy comes in he's not going to put a total lie in front of you he will question god's assignment for you mm-hmm. and that's what mm-hmm. he did with Eve. you know he said did god really tell you he didn't say don't do this he said did god really tell you so he will question your assignment and this is why you need someone who will be confident in their own call and who will not hide like Adam did, but who will step forward and say, yes, God said that. So when you, even when you're feeling weak, they can come and remind you of what God spoke over your life. Mm-hmm. That is so powerful. And like I said, the two of you together, definite power couple. Love it. Love it. Man. So you you spoke earlier about some of the adversities, um, being an orphan at four and mm-hmm. yourself at 14 and stuff like that. So what other adversities have you had to 
get to where you are today in, in business? Oh, in business or just, or business and personal? Um, I mean, let's let's say both. Both. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's say let's say the business aspect. Um, so I remember when I was starting out, and we'll we'll just be plain. <laughs> I remember when I relaunched myself in business in 2012 and started business startup and and and, and marketing solution. One of the first things that um, I came up against was my own people. Like anybody who's listening to this can tell that I have an accent. So I'm from the the island of Jamaica, right? (laughs) And so so one of my first challenges was I had a friend, well, somebody who I thought was a friend. um, I I was pitching to a couple of uh, American clients. Uh, A couple of them were Jews. And um, when I was off the pitch, she said to me, why are you twanging? So I said, what do you mean? She said, you're Jamaican. Why aren't you talking Jamaican? You know, why are you twanging? I don't see why people feel the need when they leave Jamaica to go to foreign that they have to twang and not be themselves. Um, I think it's kind of fake and, you know, phony. And so I said to her, yeah, I said to her, if you travel right now to Mexico, right? Are you going to speak Jamaican? She said, no, there would be a trans. I said, my point exactly. I said, I don't live in Jamaica. I have not lived in Jamaica for years. I'm not selling to Jamaicans. My market is a different, um, it's a different type of market. Why do you believe that me um, selling to a different uh, market, to a different culture, to a different people, using the language that they understand is being fake? Can you explain that Mm -hmm. to me? And she couldn't explain. So one of the first challenges I had was overcoming cultural barriers and overcoming people who did not understand what my journey was. So, so, you know, I always say to people, you you have to make sure that from the get-go, when you're doing your blueprint, when you're doing your business plan, you make allowance to get rid of people who do not understand how to read your business plan. You have to mm-hmm. do that. The second and thing that I, I find. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say I find, um, especially as an entrepreneur, um, family mm-hmm. and friends may not necessarily understand what it is that you're doing. You know, so right. they're they're speaking, and oftentimes it's out of ignorance. The fact that they don't know what it is that they're talking about, or they, you know, they haven't even tried to educate themselves on it, so they say things that can be quite ignorant sometimes it's actually i'm going to say from my experience sometimes it's innocent (laughs) where they're they're really not trying to be malicious but based Mm -hmm. on their perception or perspective you know they say things that that make you say like why would you even say that (laughs) yeah Um, but it's it's unfortunate but i think entrepreneurs should hear you know that it happens to everyone that it's not just them so go ahead go to your your next next point It, it does happen to everyone. Again, mm-hmm. I always tell people, and, and you know, you've heard this, like, if the dream is not supersized, if it's not big, if it's not over your head, then it's really not a dream. It's just mm-hmm. a snippet of a goal. And, and any goal can be achieved. And so mm-hmm. when you get a dream like Joseph, um, you're the one who got the dream, not your brothers, not your friend. And so if you have a problem communicating the dream to them, then that tells you that they will not understand until the dream become a, um, 
take on legs and, and, and become life. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't, I didn't waste my time in trying to explain to her. I just told her the path that I was on and that she, she, she would have to catch up at some point in time. That she eventually <laughs> did. <laughs> like I, I totally, I, I don't think that when um, the maker of Boeing was going to make planes that they had to explain to their siblings, Hey, you know, I'm, I got this dream that I'm called to make planes and I'm going to be making planes. They wouldn't understand. They yeah, would have when- to go to people who speak that language. Yeah, when the when the Wright yeah. brothers decided to when they discovered um, you know how to fly planes, pe- the neighbors and everyone were making fun of them for how long, saying to Thank their parents, you, you know, these boys are going to kill themselves, and now we <laughs> have planes you. flying over our heads. Every now, we, now we have planes, yeah. and now that same yeah. person is now you know um, marketing herself as a speaker. So, so I always mm-hmm. say, you know, you have to decide if you're going to be a leader or a follower, you know, and once you're mm-hmm. called to be a leader, you have to just step out and do what you're called to do and not think about what people have to say, because people are going to have mm-hmm. a lot to say. They're going to have a lot to say. Mm-hmm. So that was the first thing. The second thing, um, I, I, unlike other people, I didn't have a client problem. I had a capital problem because mm-hmm. as I told you, I started my business with $125. But the good thing about <laughs> that is that as, <laughs> as soon as I started and word started getting around, um, referrals became my biggest friend. Um, people were, uh, there were times when I didn't have enough room, enough capacity to take on the job. And that's how my business grew because I had to start hiring people, um, you know, building out the, the company, getting a staff and all of that. So mm-hmm. That those are really my challenges, and of course, the usual challenge of making sure that you're balancing your personal life with your business life and your church life. You have to have great balance for that. Uh, I like to say you have to be like a ballerina when you're going to take <laughs> on those <laughs> those three things. You have to make sure that you have good balance. So you have to go to uh, uh, what we call a personal life gym to make sure you're stretching and you're getting all those core areas um, together. But for um, for the personal, I think it's pretty much some of the things that I mentioned, just overcoming all the things that I went through, because those things can play a big part in how you succeed in life, how you deal with Definitely. people, or how you not deal with people. Um, you know, not growing up with my siblings, and then eventually when I met them, not being from my own mind, mindset, feeling like I was accepted, because they never knew me. I was like a stranger. Um, you know, treated mm-hmm. like a black sheep of the family, um, dropping out of high school, pregnant, and just the whole shame that came with that. And on top of that shame, having to be homeless while pregnant because I was kicked mm-hmm. out of the house. So being kicked out of the house, wow. it's not like they, yeah, it's not like they kick you out and they say, oh, here's some money, go rent a room. They kick you out. You can't stay here. You want to be a woman. You want to be grown. Go find life on your own. So you're kicked out on the mm-hmm. street with nowhere to go. So just imagine being pregnant, don't even know what all this means. I didn't know that I was supposed to go to the doctor. So I was just be, just pregnant, just, you know, just for pregnancy's sake, just trying to find somewhere to lay my head. So I would sleep outside. I would sleep in somebody's kitchen. I would sleep at my cousin's house. She had one room, not one bedroom, one room. And the mm-hmm. whole family was in that one room, um, sleeping with strangers. It was crazy. Um, but wow. all the time, God, God was gracious because he kept me. See how the name comes in? Amen. All the yeah. time, God <laughs> was gracious. 
Um, I think I did my like my first doctor's visit when I was like six months pregnant. Um, and you know, for the whole time being pregnant, I was homeless until the last couple of months before having wow. my baby. And she was so underweight because she wasn't eating, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was, it was horrible. And then going through that and different, just different abusive relationships because I was looking for love in all the wrong places, did not even know what that looked like. And then to add insult to injury, you know, um, coming to find out that my life was like this because my mom had gone through those cycles herself. And so when she had me, oh, wow. I was, yeah, I was her second child. She was 17 and she had gotten pregnant by a pedophile. So the person I thought that was my dad that I mentioned in my first book, I only found out when I was 40 years old that he was not my dad. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So just just things like literally some things that life has thrown at me are things that people have either committed suicide or been committed into a home for less than that. But I've always had such Mm -hmm. tenacity Mm -hmm. and such faith to just know that, okay, this is life, you know, you deal with it, you mourn if you have to, and then you just keep it moving. Because as long as you have breath, you are a solution to somebody's problem. And God would not have given me these problems if he didn't think that I was well able to endure them so that I could help somebody else. So (laughs) one of the main reasons why I I do this show is because there are women like yourself who Mm -hmm. are are so grounded and you're doing so much to inspire others. And in the way that you tell your story, the strength in your voice and the way that you're just able to continue and carry on, because there are women that are listening that are, you know, they are probably 40 years old having their first child and are thinking, oh my God, poor me. I don't know how to deal with this one child. And then they hear your story and everything that you've endured and everything that you've been through. And it makes them say, wow, okay, what am I complaining about? And then they start to pick themselves up and say, you know what, if she can do it, I can do it too. Like, you know, she went through all of that stuff and she still be the greatness that she is. Okay. God is gracious. Let me get up (laughs) and continue and carry on. Right. So thank you for your transparency. Oh, you're welcome. I think he brought me through all these things too, to develop character in me, to develop integrity and to continuously develop forgiveness. Because I remember the day when my mom told me, it wasn't like she told me, it just slipped her mouth. And I'm wondering, Mm. how could she keep the secret for 40 years? And then when I say, oh, hold up, back up, what did you just say? And she said, oh, when I was pregnant with you and I met, you know, so I won't call his name and he Mm -hmm. took me in, you know, I was like, how do you mean you met him when, so I was in your stomach when you met him? So why did you say he was my father? She said, because he's the only father you know. And then when I said to her, so who is my father? And she said, now this this is a grown 40-year-old woman asking her, so who is my Mm -hmm. father? And when she said to me, you don't want to know. When I tell you my heart broke, it broke because I didn't know what she meant. And and for the first time, I saw my mom as a little girl, a little abused girl. And I tell you, in a, in, it only took me 24 hours to forgive her. I was like, you know what? What's done is done. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't know any better. But the only mm-hmm. thing that I said to her, like, you know, maybe a year after I, I waited a whole year, I said, I really would like to know who my father is, what's it, what's it, what, you know, what his name is and all of that. And then she did tell me that, you know, he was like a Don in the area and, you know, he would um, molest all the little children. And, the, you know, that's how she got to his house. She was living at the house with him and his wife. 
And oh, wow. you know, we had uh, yeah, and we had other girls there too. So she was like, he's probably dead now because he was a way older guy than I am. So you know, I was able to let it go. But do I still sometimes wonder if he's still alive? Wonder if I have, well, I know I have other brothers and sisters, but mm-hmm. do I wonder who he is, you know, on Father's Day? There's a little piece of me that wants to know. But at the end of the day, you know, I was able to forgive her and to say, I, I said, hey, God, okay, here's another one that you gave me. I mm-hmm. believe that I've conquered this. So, you know, you're gracious. What's next? <laughs> That's wow. how I talk to God. <laughs> Wow. So, I mean, okay, you have such a powerful story. You've been through so much. You've overcome so much. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you serve in ministry and you're helping other people build businesses in their personal life. What is Joan's (laughs) self-care routine? How do you take care of Joan? Oh, do you want to (laughs) know? My two favorite things to do is one, to shop. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! I find my solace in shopping. If you retail therapy, a, <laughs> if you leave me at a mall, I guarantee you, you'll come back 24 hours later, and I'm still there, and I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my therapy, um, of course, you know the religious thing. My first therapy is prayer. I love God. I love you. You know this. Like everything mm-hmm. that I do, God is involved. But I do love shopping and I do love traveling. I do like meeting new people. I like to see new places. Um, So those are highest on my list. And of course, I love to go take care of my nails. I love to, you know, do all the little girly stuff. And I do take time off. Mm -hmm. But like today, I'm not in the office. I don't work on a Monday. And there are some Fridays that I don't work either. I have a staff. Y'all do that. Don't call me if you have issues. Figure it out. (laughs) That's why why I trained you, y'all. I trained, I raised up little Jones. So y'all can figure it out. I love it. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not into working, you know, unnecessary working because I tell people you're, all of us are, are replaceable. Where yes. none of us are irreplaceable. If I die tomorrow, you're going to see a lot of RIPs, rest in peace. And in a month's time, they're going to like, you know, who's the next Who's the next person we can go listen to? Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I do, do take care of myself. Right, good, good. That's very important. <laughs> My next question. Uh, I've read this article that basically says that your your favorite type of shoe says a lot about your personality. And so far, it's been spot on. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you, Joan, is, is your favorite type of shoe, it is, is it a high heel boot, a running shoe, a stiletto, a flat, a flip-flop, a wedge? What's your favorite type of shoe? My favorite shoe is a stiletto. High okay. Like... <laughs> a girl, that, that's mine. So <laughs> I, feel, I feel underdressed in anything else. Okay, so it says these women are actually incredibly hardworking. They have major drive, determination, and standout work ethic. She's very willing and very open to possibilities. She also really loves and values beauty, so she surrounds herself with beauty. Whether it is in things, people, or how she lives, it doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to be pleasing to her eye. (laughs) Mm, There you go. All right. 
that's, that's you and I both, you and I both. Okay. So um, before I go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online. Of course. Okay. So um, I do own a marketing company, so I'm big on marketing. So everything um, social media is Joan Wright Good. So on Instagram, I'm Joan Wright Good. My website is Joan Wright Good. Um, Twitter, Joan Wright Good. Facebook is Joan Wright Good. Um, my ministry page is um, Joan Wright Good Empowers. And uh, my business page is Business Startup and Marketing. So you can find me on any one of those pages. And um, I, I know that if you follow me, you will leave inspired and motivated. So you want to follow me. Definitely. And to make sure that they follow you, I will add all of your links in the comment section of the podcast so they can just click and follow you directly. Thank you. So the final segment of the show is really just a couple of quick reflection questions. I call it a walk in her stilettos. And in the interest of time, I'll probably just pick one or two. So let's see. I will start with what's one of the most worthwhile investments you've ever made? That could be of money, time, energy. Mm, worthwhile investment. Okay, that's that, that's easy. I think one of the most worthwhile investment that I've done is investing in the home that that I grew up in. It's a Maxwell Park Children Home in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I've done is I I started a, a project where I fund the tuition fees for girls who are aging out of the system who want mm-hmm. to further their education at the university level. So there are three girls that I sponsor every year. I pay their tuition to attend um, university. And that's kind it. of also, yeah, that's kind of also spill over in my entrepreneurial journey where um, on The Good Life, we sponsored quite a few entrepreneurs um, to either start their business or to grow their business with scholarships of up to 5500 US dollars. I love it. Love it. Okay. Um, and our final question, what have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? That could mm. be, that could be family invitations, distractions. Um, I must admit that I have a hard time saying no. My heart is always, I lead with my heart, which mm. can be bad sometimes. Um, but I believe that in the last five years, I have said no to invitations that don't serve my purpose. Mm. I literally, yeah, I did. I literally said no just last week to a big, what some people would consider a big break. Mm-hmm. It was an invitation to the word network. Um, but I don't, based on the type of, of, of program and the person who invited me, I didn't think it would fit my brand and I didn't think it would glorify God. And so in that moment, I had to take myself away mm-hmm. from trying to become famous based on what I do mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and remain humble based on the call that God has called me to fulfill. I love it. In the last little while, so many women that have come on that have actually given a similar answer in terms of what they've become better at saying no to. You know, when when you know who you are, you know what your purpose is, it is so much easier to say no to events or um, spaces that are not yeah. for you. 
You know, you're not exactly. always, you don't feel obligated to say yes, to be everywhere and to be, you know, connected to everyone. You know, right. you, you know what your purpose is and you know who and whose you are. <laughs> so exactly. you don't feel the need to say yes to everything. And I, I love that. No. I, I, I love hearing that from, you know, many of the women that have come on and that's something yeah. that I definitely live by and probably even I think more so in the last year. <laughs> Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with maturity. I've realized that our society and our culture has become one of um, people constantly seeking validation. And so they take on things and say yes to assignments because it validates them. And so, you know, you'll see them post on Facebook, hey, you know, I'm going to be on this TV show and I'm going to be on this. And, you know, why do you think you need to make an announcement if it's not in the name of marketing? It's to Mm -hmm. show people that I've arrived. But who mm-hmm. are you trying to show that you've arrived? You first have right. to you have to let yourself know that you're arrived. You've arrived. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Because mm-hmm. as, as an example that I used on the Good Life Tour, you know, your gift can take you anywhere, but your it's your character and your intent keep you there. to keep you there. Yes. And if you yep. don't have that, if that's not developed, it doesn't matter how many doors are open for you. They're mm-hmm. not going to stay open, you know. Yeah. So I judge myself. Yeah, like I, yeah, I, I didn't need that platform. Thank you, but no, thank you. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I want to thank you, Joan, for coming on and not only sharing transparently your testimony with us, but also leaving us with so many gems and things to oh, think about. Goodness. I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Oh, you're welcome. It was my pleasure, and um thank even the people who are going to be listening and the people who are listening now for joining us. It was really, really my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. And to all of our listeners until next time, mm-hmm. download the Awaka My Stilettos app and subscribe to our newsletter at awakamystilettos.com and make sure that you subscribe, listen to this podcast carefully, send it to a friend who needs to hear these words and leave us a review. What did you think about what Joan had to say? You know, what parts of her story do you resonate with? We'd love your feedback and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.